0: The oh, we we do him like that. What are you You are listening to High Flyers! Hello and welcome to today's episode of High Flyers the podcast where we talk about the players who don't get talked about. My name is Kay Nanji, and I will be your host. And this is actually our 10th episode. And as we approach the end of the season, things are starting to heat up. As I mentioned last week, March Madness has begun. We already got absolutely like a crazy, crazy upset when 16th seed FDU defeated the first seed Purdue. Um, who a lot of people had winning the entire tournament And just today, I mean this wasn't really an upset But Kansas State just beat my Kentucky Wildcats So not the best day today, just finished watching that game And now it's time to record this podcast So what are we going to talk about today? So I'm going to start off by going over our High Flyer Player of the Week right? Because now we're on schedule, we finally caught up to all that so I'm going to get I'm going to get to that and then we are going to talk about the mystery player from I believe yeah it was last week too. And then today all we're going to do is we're going to be going through the awards because award season's coming up. We pretty much know who's going to win those awards and I'm just going to go through who I think are the choices to win. They may not be the ones who win, hopefully. I'd say about I'd say most of them. I think I have one particular is it one? Yeah, I'd say one, which is kind of disputed. Uh, but yeah. And then we should end with another mystery player. And that's the end of the podcast. We're going for a really chill podcast, no guests this time, just me and my beautiful voice. Okay, so let's get to that. Okay. Now, let's start off with our High Flyer Player of the Week awards. So, in the Eastern Conference, the High Flyer Player of the Week is. Onyeka Okongwu for the second time. And so, this past week, Onyeka Okongwu averaged 17.5 points and 10.5 rebounds. So, he averaged a double double alongside one steal and one and a half blocks. And the Atlanta Hawks didn't do the have the best record. They they were one and three, but that wasn't due to Onyeka Okongwu because he had a really high plus minus when he was on the court. Um, and then we're gonna look to the West and drum roll please. The high fire of the week is Jaden McDaniels, one of my favorite players, one of my favorite defenders. Um, he's gonna be on an all defensive team. I I give it to you next year, maybe year after, garnering the success of the Minnesota Timberwolves. But Jaden McDaniels this week had a great defensive week as well as an offensive week. He averaged 19 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1 steal, and 1 block. And how did Minnesota do? I don't think they did very well this week as well. They also went 1-3, and funny... The one team that they did beat was Atlanta, but Jay McDaniels, it wasn't because of him. He was playing great, and so those are the two high-flyer players of the week, and let's move on to the mystery player. So if you guys don't remember from last week, the mystery player is when I compare these two players offensively and statistically, um, just basic stats, nothing advanced or anything, and then we're going to have kind of a discourse or that, that that's not a good word. We're going to have sort of discussion on why on why they were these players I chose them for mystery players. So, if you guys don't remember, there was player 1 who averaged 21.4 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists, shooting 45% from the field, 38% from 3 and 91% free throw. And then there's player two, who averaged 21 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 5.9 assists, shooting 43.4% from the field, and 37.7% from three, and 78.8% free throw. Now, if you guys want to guess who that player was, I mean, you probably had enough time to think about it now. And... I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys know who the players are so the first player is Anthony Simons and the second player is CJ McCollum why did I choose them well it's because Portland really got rid of one for the sake of the other and in some really funny way I think a lot of you would say Anthony Simons just because the better shooting splits um, if you did say C.J. McCollum, it's probably because the assist numbers are a little bit higher. But Anthony Simons has really grown into. He's he's, he's been really solid this season when he plays. Um, solid offensively at least. Not the best defender. Also, he doesn't. It's, I'm I'm kind of surprised that he averages four assists because usually I see like he gets like 23 points, zero rebounds, zero assists. But it's kinda of surprising to see that he's got like he's averaging essentially twenty one, three, and four. And I just wanted to bring this up because not a lot of people realize that I mean, really, everybody realized this, but not a lot of people thought back to that trade um that sent CJ McCollum to the Pelicans and how it kinda of upgraded An Anthony Simon's role. Was that the best trade for the 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 Trailblazers? I don't know, they're not the best team, but it's kind of interesting to just see the the change that just happened there and look at both the players and where they were last year and where they are now. And so, yeah, that's all with that. I'll be coming up with another one at the end of this episode. Here's a little, like, I don't know. It's a little tidbit, I guess. that That's a terrible word, but the players are not going to be as good as last week and this week. We're going to look at, like, which player you can get as, like, a role player rather than like a complimentary star, which I would describe both these players as. Um, but yeah, let's get on to the awards. And so there's a lot of awards in the NBA. I'm going to be covering the Six Man of the Year Award, Rookie of the Year Award, Defense Player of the Year Award, Coach of the Year Award, Most Improved Player, Most Valuable Player, and then finally, I'm going to make it a little bit fun and put Clutch Player of the Year, which is a new award starting in 2023 and so let's start off with six man of the year why because i just wrote it down i'm gonna start off with some snubs and the two snubs i have one that might be surprising they might be in a lot of your top five but one snub is bobby portis now i love bobby portis but to call him a six man i don't really know i i When I judge someone as a six man, I say that they have to start, they have to start at most 25% of the season, and the rest of the 75% they have to start on the bench, because really what defines a six man, like what are you going to do if like a player plays 90% of games, um, starts them, and then 10% on the bench, and then you call them six man of the year, like... I know that's what they're doing to, um, what's his name, Tyrese Maxey. Played, he played way more games starting than on the bench, but somehow he's top five in odds to win six-man of the year. I don't understand that. Um, but yeah, that's why I don't have Bobby Portis on my list, because he. I did the math, he played 30% of games. So maybe if they just put him on the bench for the rest of the season, maybe he could qualify, maybe not. And the other player is Christian Wood, who is a very similar player to Bobby Portis, also started higher than 25% margin of games and a lot of people think that he he'd be in like six man of the year talks. He's come off the bench majority of the time, but not enough really. And so let's head on to number 5 on my list of six man of the year. And number 5 is going to be Benedict matherin the rookie out of Arizona for the Indiana Pacers. And he's had a great season this year averaging 16.6 points per game starting most of the games off the bench. He's really proved to be that offensive firepower, and I really see him improving for the Indiana Pacers over the next couple seasons. Um, Number four is my favorite, Stormin Norman Powell. And so Norm, I think, should be on this list just because he's he's a great player off the bench. He shoots at an incredibly efficient rate, shooting 48% from the field and 41% from three. He was doing great with the Clippers until they made a few adjustments, um, like Westbrook. But that's okay. Norm's injured right now. Hopefully when he comes back, he's going to go back to being that solid firepower player. And I just hope he wins an award in the next couple years. Um, But yeah, now we're going to head over to number three, which is Malik Monk. Malik's averaging 13.7 points per game. And I think four assists, three rebounds. And the big thing about him is he did not start a single game this season for the second seed Sacramento Kings. So that's very impressive. I like how he's gone every single game on the bench that kind of firepower off the bench. He he's performing at a very similar level to how he did with the Lakers last season, except for a better team, which shows that he can he can play well with with like his stats aren't inflated in any way, in any mean and we're gonna head off to number two and it's another kentucky man emmanuel quickly now if you asked me at the beginning of the season i never would have thought emmanuel quickly would qualify for this award not even qualify but would even be in the rankings for this award um but he's really surpassed expectations really in the second half of the season um and i have a really cool statistic to show you that i found and that's Emmanuel quickly has been averaging 17 17 points per game since Christmas and 4 assists. And this is all off the bench, which is absolutely crazy. And he's shooting well from 338%. And a huge thing about Emmanuel quickly is he knows how to play D, which is a huge thing for me. Um, I'm really high on defensive players because defense is a lot harder to learn than offense, I think. That's just me personally. Um, and I think that... This reasoning is why Emmanuel quickly is second on the list. Um, But I think first, by a long margin, is Malcolm Brogdon. And I think Malcolm Brogdon, when he came to the Celtics in the beginning of the year, I was like, no way you guys are going to be starting him on the bench, right? Like, he's a starting player, in my opinion. Um, But he came off the bench and just did everything that I thought he would when he starts. His per 36 is insane because he plays... Around 26 minutes per game um, and puts up Extraordinary stats. He's putting up 14.7 points per game um, 4 rebounds and 4 assists so very balanced stats Um, Doesn't get a lot of turnovers just one a game, but here's what separates him from a lot of other players It's the fact that he shoots 49% from the field and 46% from three on nearly five attempts per game now these scoring splits are so useful to have off the bench, especially since so many six man of the year um, contenders are usually they they're usually extremely inefficient. I remember Jordan Clarkson a couple years back who won. He got a lot of points, but he shot just terrible from the field. Um, so I think that Malcolm Brogdon's like he it's almost like separate from a six man. I don't even know how to describe it. He's like I think he could be it's it's amazing campaign that he's had this year that's all i'm gonna say and i think that he's gonna win six man of the year um now let's move on to rookie of the year and so we have snubs um my first snub is I, i don't know if i'm calling them snubs more like honorable mentions let's call them honorable mentions and it's jabari smith jr why do i have jabari smith jr here well let's be honest he hasn't been that great this year I see him improving for next year, but he's right now at the end of the season. He's playing good, but he hasn't been playing good throughout the entire season. He's playing up some pretty bad shooting, um, especially from three. Especially like the volume amount of threes that he takes is like crazy for the amount he gets in. Like he's averaging thirty one percent from three on five attempts a game. Like that's that's just not good. Um, And then the other snub I have. Or not snub. I'm. A, I'll, I'm just gonna call him snubs. The other snub I have is Keegan Murray. Um, he's shooting great from three this season, forty one percent. I just think that I expected more from him a little bit. I don't know. I think he's still a great player. Um, I think it's also because Sacramento is really trying to contend this year, which is may why he did not get that role. But he's been a good player. He's shot pretty well. Um, I just don't think that. He was as good as these other five players, and going to fifth on the list, I have Jaden Ivey, and this is a real argument. I don't know if Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray deserves to make it more on this list. Jaden Ivey has a lot better stats. Um, I, I mean stats in terms of points, rebounds, assists, but his shooting splits are terrible, and he plays for a terrible team. Um. Against Keegan Murray, actually, you know what? I'm gonna switch him. I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch Keegan Murray for Jay and Ivy right now. Cause the more I think about it, I think that efficiency on a good team is better than being inefficient with really inflated stats on a poor team. But I think Jane and Ivy will improve. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. Just, so just a great player. um And now that I'm thinking of it, there's another snub on this list. This is Jalen Duran um Jalen Duren duran is great player too on the detroit pistons and i just don't think that he's had enough to prove himself this year so i think we're gonna have to wait till next year also there's a lot of lot of front court depth on the pistons right now not not necessarily positive it's more of a log jam um they got who they got marvin bagley isaiah stewart james wiseman keep on piling them up i think they got to give Jalen duran a bigger chance though i just think he's he's one of the youngest players in the nba why not give him a chance um and then we're gonna go number four on my list which was six man of the year contender Bandick mathern again great player um really surpassed a lot of expectations in terms of his offensive ability he could score on all three levels pretty well um he's a He's really good at getting inside to the paint, though, which is really important skill to have, especially in the NBA. You see a lot of these players come from college. They don't really know how to fare too well in the paint. That's a big issue. Like, they can hit threes, but driving's a huge aspect of the game. And to kind of get that fundamental knowledge of it at such an early stage of, the, of your career is really good for these players to have. And then we're going to go to number three, Jalen Williams, a.k.a. J-Dub, not the, uh, center, the, the shooting guard, small forward, power forward one, um, and a lot of you might say I have him too high on my list, but he's just been so good and so efficient, um, I think that he can grow to be one of the best, most efficient shooting guards in the league, um, I don't know, he's shooting... I think he's shooting over 40% from three, or around 45% from the field, um, actually you know what, he might not be shooting 40% from three, um, but, let's search this up right now, um, but even if he doesn't shoot um, 40%, okay, yeah, my bad, he shoots 35% from three, but he does shoot 52% from the field, which is that point I want to nail. Shooting fifty-two percent from the field is absolutely insane, especially on ten attempts per game. So I don't know. Jalen, Jalen Williams, he's already got that efficiency that a lot of a lot of rookies struggle with, and he's already got that down. So I see a very high ceiling for him. Um and then we're gonna go with number two. I think number two is Walker Kessler. And I'm getting to Walker Kessler because he's been efficient the entire season uh he has he's he's been he's been efficient for the uh Utah Jazz um in their front court he's really the only big man presence they have really that only defensive center presence they have and although their defense is terrible he's he's the one good like if they didn't have him they'd probably be one of the worst teams in the NBA that's what I'm saying so on an impact level Walker Kessler's impact Impact is very very high. He's averaging nine points per game and eight rebounds per game shooting 72% from the field and Just because of that, I think that I, I Find it funny because Minnesota really just gave up Walker Kessler and I think that Walker Kessler can he's playing at a higher level than Rudy Gobert right now Actually, no, that's not true. Okay. I take that back. I take that back He's playing at just below a level, but when you realize that they gave a Walker Kessler in like five first round picks for for Gobert, I don't think that that was a very smart trade for Minnesota Timberwolves, and I think they'll live to regret it as Walker Kessler just continues to get better year after year, and I think that he has potential to make an all defensive second team this year, and that's how good he's been, um, although there's a lot of really good centers, which I will get to when we talk about defensive player of the year. But I think that the rookie of the year, no matter how inefficient he is, regardless of the fact that he shot like nine percent from three this past like I think past two months, I'm gonna give it to Paolo Banchero. And you know, I just realized this it's Paulo Bancero, I come Banchero, I don't really care, but he's averaging twenty seven and four. Can't really beat that. He's already played the best player, one of the best players on his team, the Orlando Magic. Um, Sure, he's not shooting that great, but just his ability to get in the paint that I've been mentioning, he's been doing it so well, and he's so good at driving to the rim. He just gets so many free throws, like eight, but they're they're legit most of the time. They aren't flops. They aren't like Joel Embiid. So yeah, I think Paolo Benchero is a lock for Rookie of the Year. And I think that Malcolm Brogdon is a lock for Defensive Player of the Year. Now let's move on. Oh, sorry. I meant Malcolm Brogdon was a lock for Sixth Man of the Year. Now let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. And so some snubs I have. One is Evan Mobley, who has been one of the defensive anchors for the Cavs, who are playing at a high level this year. I'm sure that Evan Mobley will make an all-defensive team in the future and you know what i i already said it before i must say it again i think adam mobley will win defensive Player of the year sometime in his career he's so young and already such a good defender and another snub i have is ojan Nanobi. i know he missed a lot of games um but he's an elite elite perimeter defender um he's just so so versatile um, his lateral quickness is amazing as I mentioned before but I don't think that he's in contention just because he plays for the Raptors and that's all I could really say he doesn't play for a top team he doesn't play for a top defensive team and that's why defensive player of the year really has to do with defensive impact on the team as well as personal defensive performance and so that's why number five on the list is going to be Nick Claxton, who has really surpassed all expectations when it came to defense. He used to be a terrible defender. Um, like last year, I remember saying Nick Claxton, that guy, he's good. He's, he's pretty good player. A lot of, lot of potential, but he's just so bad at defense. Um, this year, he's grown to be good at defense. So I don't know how it happened, but his inside defense is crazy. I think he leads the league in blocks or is closely in the league in blocks. Um, He's been a great defensive presence for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, number four, Bam Adebayo, a player who recently I've been being a little bit wary of. I've been watching a lot of the Miami Heat games, and I'm like, is he really that good? He's been playing decent the last couple of games, but can he be that kind of defensive anchor for Miami in the playoffs? I don't know. He's been pretty good this year. I think he deserved um, defensive player of the year. Probably more Marcus Smart last year. I mean, Marcus Smart did not deserve Defensive Player of the Year last year. I think that was, like, probably one of the dumbest awards, like, that I've ever seen. He's not even the best defender on his team, and he's not even the best guard defender in the Eastern Conference. Like, best defender on his team last year was Robert Williams, and best defensive guard was Drew Holiday. Like, Drew Holiday's a better defender than Marcus Smart, okay? Um... Sorry to get off-topic, but speaking of Drew Holiday, number three is Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, his teammate. Um, and Giannis has played amazing defense perimeter inside as usual, but I feel like there's a lot of voter fatigue when it comes to Giannis, probably why he's not going to win defensive player of the year again. Um, instead, they're probably going to give it to the next person who I'm going to say, which is Jaron Jackson Jr., um, let's ignore the fact that his stats are inflated like crazy due to the uh, the Memphis table, the scores table, giving him blocks and steals when he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he is a good defender. I wouldn't say that he's the best defender in the NBA in my opinion. I think Giannis is probably better than him, but Jaron Jackson Jr., I don't really know what to say about him. Like, he's, he's good, but... There's a lot of players who are better than him. But I think this season, solid defense, um, especially inside defense. He does foul too much, though. That's just what I I, I think he fouls too much. But although and he's a favorite right now, he's he's the favorite in terms of like odds and what a lot of pundits say um, analysis. I don't know why I said pundits the Saint soccer, but. I think the defensive player of the year is Brook Lopez. He's been so good this year. He got nine blocks in a game. Um, he's been that defensive anchor for the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee's defense has just been formidable because of him. Um, you just can't get past Brook Lopez. A lot of people discredit him. They just say that he's like an old man, this, that. But I think that he should be defensive player of the year. I'm not sure that a lot of people would agree with me, but I think based on what I've seen, that he's the defensive player of the year. And let's move on. We have a couple more categories left. And let's go to coach of the year. And let's get some snubs. Um, One big snub I have is J.B. Bickerstaff. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers really have been a lot better since last season. But that's also because they have Donovan Mitchell. So I think that may have been a bigger deal than... JB's coaching they have had great fourth quarter performances Um, They lead the fourth quarter in points scored which is very impressive and I I probably should give JB some credit for that Um, But I don't see him as a top five coach of the year candidate Um, Let's start and another one is Mike Budenholzer and I don't know I don't care if people say he's a bad coach He's so overrated shouldn't have won coach of the year before um, he has a good team. Look at it. You have Drew Holiday, Giannis, Middleton, uh, Portis, Lopez. Like that's a solid team that you have. Yeah, and to like and a lot of the time when the Bucks lose, it's because of bad coaching. It isn't even because of bad play style. Like, I think with an elite coach, the Milwaukee Bucks could win the NBA championship. I still think they could win right now, but imagine if they had an actual good coach. Um and let's go to number five on my list, which is Mark Danielt, and he is the head coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and from the Thunder games, which I've watched, the coaching seems pretty solid, good rotations, Um, I've seen, I know in the past, like, he used to just throw up random players who, like, you've never heard of, and they get minutes, but now there's almost a style of consistency with the Oklahoma City Thunder, like, they... They almost have a rotation, if you get what I'm saying. They haven't had a rotation in a while. Now they have a rotation. And so because of that, I'm going to give him number five on the list. Number four on the list is going to be Tom Thibodeau for his performance with the uh, New York Knicks. The Knicks have looked good this year, a lot better than the last time they made the playoffs two years ago, I believe. Um, Nah, they've looked nice, and they're, I don't know, Hopefully he doesn't overplay Brunson or Randall too much, but they've looked nice. And like just rotation wise, all that is due to Tom Thibodeau. And let's go to number three, another coach who I think is a little bit overrated. Uh Mark Daniel. I mean, Mike Malone. And Mike Malone is He I mean, he's a good coach, but I don't think that he should be there. The Nuggets are one of the best teams in the league. I think that's probably the only reason why I had to put him in there. And then we're going to go number two, Joe Missoula Sorry, I'm we going a little bit faster because we're running a little low on time. But Joe Mazzula, first season with the Celtics, they have a great, great rotations, great depth in the team. But number one, I think without a doubt, it's Mike Brown, who took a team that was a joke and put them as a second seed in the Western Conference. The more difficult conference, might I add. And now in terms of most improved players. Now, I won't go on my spiel about how most improves kind of a dumb award because i kind of saw a lot of these players improving and i think they should give it to players who have really took a giant leap and i'm going to get to that in a second but number five is a deserving one i think is nick claxton nick claxton has really improved since um last season in terms of defense as i mentioned before number four is mikhail bridges who is now i'd call him a star player on the brooklyn nets and number three is Jalen Brunson, who is also a star player on the Knicks. And me personally, I think this is both situ- sorry, situational in, in, in so far that they were... It was in this situation where they really broke out. Like, I think Mikhail Bridges and Jalen Brunson both had potential to play this good, um, but they just needed a new circumstance in order to play that good. So now that either on the Nets and the Knicks respectively, they are improved, I guess. And then second on the list is Shea Gildas-Alexander. I personally disagree with this because I've, I think that Shea Gildas-Alexander was always a great player and I thought that he could put up those 31 points per game. So I don't know if he'd necessarily be there, but in terms of most impar- improved player, he should be second on the list. He's averaging 30 now, it's crazy. And then number one, without a doubt, Lowry Markkanen went from being a rotational player or like somewhat rotational player to a all-star starter averaging 25 points per game shooting above 50% from the field um and I think that he's a lock now before we get to MVP I'd quickly like to touch on clutch player of the year which is a new award and I think that the biggest snub here I have is Tyler Hero who's been great in the clutch this year uh he's he's been He's taking a lot of that load off of Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy is going to get in the playoffs. Um, Number five, we have DeMar DeRozan, who you put that rock in his hand at the end of the game. It's going in. Number four, Damian Lillard. I think we've all seen enough Dame Time videos to know how clutch Damian Lillard is. Number three, Shea Gildas Alexander, who's hit like three game winners this year, has been so clutch in, in like the end of the game. But I think it's a battle between these two And in second place I have Jalen Brunson Who's been so clutch he, had, he was really clutch for the the Mavericks too A lot of people might just not realize But for the Knicks He's just been different But number one is a lock And number one is De'Aaron Fox Swipe of to Fox The clutchest player in the NBA I think so You watch this guy in the clutch The ball is going in every single time I'm telling you, the ball will go in every single time. And now, finally, let's get to MVP before we we um, end the podcast. So the first one I have is a snub for Damian Lillard, who's played on historical season, but he plays for a terrible team. So he's not going to get any consideration. And so number five, I have Jason Tatum. He's been solid, um, a little inconsistent, but I think that he's just done enough to garner his way way on top five for MVP. Number four is Luka Doncic, who's had a crazy offensive season. I just think that the Mavericks' performance is what kind of holds him back a little bit. Number three is Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is absolutely, he's been great this season offensively, defensively. First season averaging more than 30 points, which is crazy if you think about it. But I think that really it's a battle between these two. And number two, this is tough take but Nikola Jokic is second place I think. I don't think that you should give him three straight MVPs um because he hasn't really done anything in the playoffs. He hasn't really proved himself to be that type of player. Like you haven't given three straight MVPs to Giannis, Curry, um LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Like why should why should you give it to Nikola Jokic? I think that it's time for us to give it to Joel Embiid, who is also a very clutch player. He's improved this year. He's looked great um he's just been so dominant i think that's a word to use when i when i think of mb i'd say dominant a dominant and flopper but dominant um and that's why i think that he should win mvp now let's get to the end of our podcast where we'll say our goodbyes and go through that go through the mystery player of the week all right all right all right let's get to the final part of our podcast which is a mystery player of the week so let's start off with player number one player number one averages 14.3 points per game 2.5 assists 3.3 rebounds shooting 39% from the field 33% from three and 79% from the free throw line now let's take a look at player two player two averages 13 points per game two assists and four rebounds he shoots 39.5% from the field 35.6% from three and 80% free throw now both these players aren't the best but who would you rather have on your team offensively given what I've said okay and that's all I have for you guys tonight thanks for joining um join us back next week where we'll have lots of new content we'll be we'll be going over who that mystery player was and yeah that's all i have for you thanks for listening to high flyers